0: Welcome to the class. We're going to go ahead and get started. I'm going to strike this. i uh, There do it on my own. There we go. We'll read our verse together. So read with me. First Thessalonians 2, 4. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. Take your Bibles if you would and uh, follow along. If you don't have a lesson sheet, we've got some. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. And we'll make sure you get one one of the lessons. Uh, we started it last week, which is typical for me. Um, and I uh, several years ago, I tried to get through lessons always within you know one lesson a week. And people said, "Slow down. We it's okay. It's, you know, you don't have to get through it all. We'd rather learn it than try to just get through it." And so that's why, if you if you uh, understand that principle, I, I hope you don't mind. But Matthew 4.4 says. Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And what we're talking about is knowing and applying God's word. In other words, it's one thing to say, I know God's word. It's a completely different thing to say, I obey it. I follow it. It's one thing to know what to do. It's another thing to actually do it. It's like, uh, you know, around your home. There are all kinds of things that you have to do around your home. Okay? And we can list them all, and I don't want to bring anxiety to anybody in here. If we start listing it, and you start thinking, oh, that's what I've got to do. But nevertheless, you know those things. The question is, do you do that? You know, will we get those things accomplished? Uh, and you do that at work, you do that in life, etc. This is the key, though, to God's Word. It's just not knowing it, be hearers of the Word, oh, not just be hearers of the Word, but doers of it. The word "know" comes from, two and I'm going to go through this very quickly. If you weren't here last week, you're going to know I'm going to be rushing through this because I want to get through the lesson this week, and we're going to, we will do that today. So the first part here, I'll be going a little bit quicker. The word "know" comes from two primary Greek words, "oida" and "kenosko," and their meanings are very different. "Oida" means to know something through observation or to know intellectually. He says, uh, "Jesus, as an example, Jesus did I not tell you that if you believe." You will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. This is about the story of Lazarus. So in other words, they are knowing something experientially. They, they, they're seeing it happen. So they see it you know, by observation. They know something by observation. Okay? Lazarus came out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Okay? And so that's an example, they were able to, to understand something by observation. But genosko means to know something personally, intimately, or ex- experientially. In the sense of experiencing it for yourself. You really embody it. Okay, whether it's uh, intimacy in a marriage, is the word Greek word is the same one for to know, in the Old as well as the New Testament. But he didn't consummate or know their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Then you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's something about it that makes it personal and intimate and experiential for you. The word, uh, uh, the word apply, how do you apply God's word, means to put it to use primarily for practical purposes, to bring it into action. And the question that we ask ourselves is how can we do these two things with God's word? How do we put it into practice with a practical purpose and into action? Okay? Uh, as a, let's just do this today. For a sense, how do we do these two things with God's word? How do we actually make it practical and bring it into action? Done. First, you have to know it. Okay. The first thing you have to do is know it. Put it into practice. How? Witness. How do you do that? By being obedient? What's an example of your obedience? Pardon? Reading the word. Reading the word. To help you know it? Yeah. Like if you give money, uh, whatever, and then you see that it works out and that God blesses you financially, then you know it to to be a truth.
1: Okay, so you you see it in in an application by your
0: obedience that God blesses? Yes. It's kind of like the reasoning behind it. Okay. And then ultimately, if there's a practical aspect to this, for example, the fruits of the Spirit are what? Love, joy, joy peace, peace long-suffering, long suffering, kindness, kindness, meekness, temperance, self-control. self-control. <laughs> so, did you apply self-control this week? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's think of another one. <laughs> Did you experience joy, not happiness, joy this week? Yes. Okay? Did you show love or kindness this week? Unconditional love to somebody this week. You denied yourself and loved them this week. Yes. Yes. I'm still forgetting about it. <laughs> okay, think of this, this is where the application comes in now. In other words, we know God's word, but if we go out here, okay, you know, I know we use this and laugh about it all the time. But if you go out here, get in your car, and get angry and and use foul language or use improper gestures in your vehicle to somebody, you know, then is that really applying God's word in that situation? No. No. Okay. Come on up, if you wouldn't mind. We want you to introduce your little ones to the class. Is that Okay. Is it a good time? Yeah, absolutely. And, and grandparents can come up too if they'd like. I know we have a, this is not an official baby dedication kind of thing, but every time we have a new baby in the class, I always want the family to come up because I want to introduce them to the, the class as well. And let, let's have a word of prayer for them. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you so much. She has been born into this Christian home that God, you've given her. just a wonderful family. God, thank you for uh, the privilege of being able to raise a child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And God, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that you give them wisdom as they raise and well, in the nurture and admonition of you. That God, that you would give them wisdom in how they raise her. Give them insight and understanding. Put a shield of protection around this entire family. Thank you for parents and grandparents and, and family members. And God, I pray that as a church and as a body here that we can wrap our arms in of love and support around them and meet their needs and come alongside them where needed. And I pray that you would be honored and glorified through it all. And I God, God, I know that uh, we don't know what the future holds, but God, I pray that she'll be saved at an early age, that she'll understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and accept you, that God, that you would protect her, keep her safe all the days of her life. And God, at the right time, if it's your will that, that she be married, God, I pray for that young man, that he'll get saved at an early age as well, and he'll protect him, and then you'll guide and direct them to get together to have a Christian home. Lord, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 <laughs> That's putting God's word into action. Be fruitful and multiply. Yes. <laughs> Jesus knew and used the word against Satan's temptations. Okay, so the story that we're talking about here is when, when Jesus' ministry began, he went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and was hungry. And through that experience, Satan came and tempted him. Okay? And I won't read that passage to you for time's sake. But the, ultimately, the bottom line is, is that when he knew and applied, he took at that and applied it, he knew it against Satan's temptations. Do not love the world, 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says, Or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And that's exactly what Satan used against Jesus. And let me just say this everybody in the room. That's what he uses against us. Okay? And we're all susceptible to the Lord's temptations. Or Satan's Satan's temptations, not the Lord's. Satan's temptations. He allows it to occur in our life. And what happens then is, what is it for you? What is it the sin that so easily besets you? Okay? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. You know, where is it in, in my life? And that's when we have to use God's word against it. He was tempted by hedonism, the lust of the flesh. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become red. He was hungry. He could have done like that. He says, man will not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He was tempted by egoism and pride. If you are the son of God, isn't it interesting how Jesus, you know, is tempted by the same kind of trickery that Eve and Adam were in the garden, you know? did God really say, you know, if you're the son of God, it's a question of things, throw yourself down. And he uses the Bible against him. And I just want to say this. Be careful. Okay, be careful. People can take God's word and make it say anything they want to. If they want to follow their fleshly desires, they will take God's word and they will use it for their own purposes. Okay? And so we have to be be careful ourselves. Do I do that? Do I use God's word for my benefit, though I take it completely out of context? He will command his angels concerning you as they lift, uh, as they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Is that true? Was that true? Yeah. Yes. But Jesus responded, do not put the Lord, your God to the test. In other words, don't tempt the Lord, you know, hey, I want you to do this and I'm going to, You know, some people, you know, I, I, I want to be careful because some people like to put out what they call a fleece, you know, to the Lord. They're using a biblical idea here. What we have to be careful of is our heart attitude. What is our motive behind asking the Lord for something? Do we do something foolishly and put the Lord to the test and do it with the wrong reasons? He was also tempted by materialism, the lust of the eyes. All this I will give you, the kingdoms of the world, if you'll bow down and worship me. Away from me, Satan. <coughs> and, uh, you know, um, let me just say this. I use this phrase all the time. How many of you are tempted relatively often, maybe at least once a day, to sin? Anybody? Well, I-, I am. Anybody else tempted to sin? It's okay to say, away from me, Satan. Or get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. We are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers. This is not a physical war. It is a spiritual war. And all of us in this room are dealing with it. Every There's not one person in here who's not dealing with spiritual warfare. Saved and unsaved. If everyone in here is saved, you're going to experience spiritual warfare it's real and the bottom line is, is that we should follow the lord and trust in his word and live out his word he, he knew and applied the word of god against human traditions now there's some traditions that are great like i said last week you know the apostles creed there's nothing wrong with saying it every single day if you want to the problem is when it becomes ritualistic. okay and some churches take communion every week our church does it every six eight weeks Okay, and you know, everyone has a different emphasis. But the bottom line is, from Scripture, was it says, "As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth the Lord's death until he comes." So it's a reminder to us to do this. But some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, "Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat." Now, is there anything wrong with washing your hands before you eat? No, In fact, I recommend it. That's a good thing. But what was the point? In other words, your disciples aren't following by our rules. These are our traditions, and your disciples aren't following by our traditions. But then Jesus kind of puts it back. It's not that washing your hands before a meal is improper or wrong. But he comes back and says, wait a minute now. Why did you change the law for your convenience? Why did you take God's word and twist it for your own benefit? Basically, you know the story. And he goes up basically to decide, okay, if you pay money to the temple, you're not obligated to provide for your parents anymore. But they were supposed to, if they had a rebellious child who was doing things intentionally. And some of you are like, can I be that today? No. We're not under Jewish law right now. But if a child was rebellious, like a drunkard, and and, and in fact, Jesus didn't necessarily even follow this teaching himself in this era because he's under grace. This era is under grace, you know? It wasn't just the the Old Testament concepts here. But the bottom line, he says, you know, you say, honor your father and mother, and anyone curses their father and mother is going to be put to death, okay? But you, for your traditions, don't do that, Okay? You say it's devoted to God. In other words, you, you don't provide for your parents. And he says, You're, you, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, their hearts are far from me. And that was the main thing that Jesus was trying to teach. There's nothing wrong with traditions. But where's your heart in all of it? How are you actually living this out in your daily life? Is, are you living it for the Lord, or are you living for yourself? And that's what was happening here. And see, as I mentioned last week, the the woman caught in the act of adultery wasn't like, okay, we're going to take the law and we're going to fulfill it. He was obviously, are you grateful for the forgiveness and grace of God today? Say amen. amen. I am so grateful for that. But ultimately, what's happening here is that he's asking us, don't just use God's word for your benefit. Use it with the right motive and the right heart. Okay? You don't use the word of God to hurt somebody else. You do it to bless them. Human traditions aren't always bad. They are evil when they overrule God's word. What was Jesus' example? Just, we talked about it. It's a heart issue. Let me ask you that. Why is it a heart issue? Esther? Yeah. Pride comes from the heart. So our pride can get away in the way of God's word. And so when our hearts are humble before the Lord, what he's asking us to do is to live out God's word from our hearts and not just rote action. To really live for it from our heart's perspective. That I'm doing it authentically and not just using it for my benefit. Jesus knew and applied God's word, even when threatened by religious leaders of the day. Luke 19 gives us the story of the temple courts that began to drive out those who were selling. It's written, he said, My house will be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. Because they were taking, what they were doing is they were setting up in the temple and and, uh, charging basically prices for people to have to buy things, exuberant prices. They were taking advantage of people to make money off of them. And he turned over these tables and he says, You've made it a den of robbers of thieves. Is it wrong what they were doing in the, in the temple? In other words, some churches have taken this like, you can't sell anything in the church. because of, you know. No, that's not the intention here. It's not that you can't sell anything like coffee in the church. The issue is, is that they were taking advantage of robbing people because to force them into this religious obligation that they had. But the chief priests, the teachers of the law, the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Okay? He was teaching their, see, their hard attitude was, let's get rid of this guy because we're losing money because of him. We're being, we, we, we're looking bad. We want to be showing off to everybody. Look at me. Look how holy I am. Touch my garment. <laughs> you know? Woo-hoo. Aren't you special? <laughs> Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. You may not hang on my words, but I pray that you hang on his. That every word that proceeds from God, that we look at it and how do we, we don't just read it to get it over with. We don't do devotions just to get it over with. We don't read our devotions to appease the gods so that we can have a successful, happy life. We read the word of God and apply it to our life. So that ultimately, we understand it, know it, and can use it for the betterment of the kingdom. For his glory. Jesus knew and applied the word of God. Even when threatened by the religious leaders of the day. He drove out the temple, those who were selling items. Jesus used Isaiah 56-7 to justify his actions. What was the emphasis? Okay? Let me go back here. My house will be a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of robbers. My house will be a house of prayer. What was that emphasis? Why is prayer so vital in the church? It's our only way to communicate to God. It's our only way to communicate to God. Why is prayer so vital? Because it keeps us focused on God. Excellent. It keeps us focused on God. Why is prayer so vital? It's a form of worship. Absolutely. It's a form of worship. <laughs> nothing it can't cover. Pardon? There's nothing it can't cover. There's nothing it can't cover. Without communication with God, we can't, we don't know how we, we may not understand how he wants us to proceed in certain things. We need to communicate with him. to live day by day. Awesome. So we, we pray to get wisdom from God. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask them of God. So we know how to live day to day. Why is prayer so important? It's an expression of gratitude. It's what? It's an expression of our gratitude. It's an expression of our gratitude. I've said this multiple times in the past, so you, I'm getting more and more like Dr. Paul Sr. Uh, I repeat myself all the time, but you... Just got to get used to it. Prayer reveals our dependence upon God. Lack of prayer reveals our independence from God. When we pray as a body, as we pray as an individual, we're communicating our need for Him. But when we don't pray, and we've got this, it's arrogance and pride coming slipping into our lives. The people hung on His words. I love the King James translation of that. Attentive. They were attentive to his words. Man, are you attentive to the word of God? Are you attentive to what it's trying to teach you? We have been called to not just be hearers, but doers of the word of God. James one twenty two. Someone read that for me. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Think about that. We deceive ourselves when we merely listen to the Word, but don't do it. So in other words, your time of devotion, whenever that is during your day, for me, it's first thing in the morning. I didn't used to be that way. It was too, mornings were way too distracting for me. When we, and our kids were at the house, I I, for me, I'm ADHD, I've never been diagnosed, but I'm ADD, whatever you want to call it, okay? I, 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 and Cheryl, can tell you, when I'm focused, even the girls at times, when I'm doing something, I've got I'm focused. And they'll sometimes go, dad, dad, Lou, <laughs> to get my attention because I get focused. When I read God's word, I, I, I can't have noise. I, I'm just focused, I'm drilled in, because that's what I want to, to have then. And if there's noise, it ends at that point. I can't do it. It's zero, done. Nada. Not happening. That's me. You are your own person. You may like music in the background. You may like noise in the background because it helps you to focus. Praise God. Whatever works for you, do it. But if you just read God's word and you don't read it to apply it, we're deceiving ourselves. And I think the idea here is this. Do you ever think after reading God's word that God's going, yeah, good job. You read your chapter and a half today. You read your three chapters or five or whatever. You did it. Good for you. So proud of you. And you're like, got this. God is not impressed by what we know, as much as he's impressed by what we do with what we know, okay? For example, as a, as a parent possibly, or as a sibling, there's one thing, do you ever get frustrated telling your child or someone to do something, you're a coach, and you're telling your team, to do something, or you're telling your employees to do something, they know it over and over and over again, and yet they do the exact opposite. Does that ever cause you to get frustrated? Donna? Back to what you are saying about reading your chapter, chapter and half, and, and I think that it's really easy for us to get caught up in that sort of duty each day, and like you get behind, or you didn't do enough. And for me, it was really freeing a number of years ago when I realized that to communicate with God, it can be one verse or half a verse. Um, It's just a matter of meeting Him. And it doesn't matter how many verses or how many chapters or how many times you've read the Bible through. Sometimes it's just a matter of that one thought or idea that He wants to communicate to you. And I'm sure many of us have experienced where you read it and then you hear somebody else say it and then you hear it in the sermon. And then it's in a book and then some, you know, it's just like that one thing coming back. So I think if you can get away from that sort of, and, and there's nothing wrong with doing three chapters a day reading the Bible, that's, you need to do that too, but that's a different thing. Absolutely. And actually communing with God. Absolutely. Because what we can do is we can fall back in, into this, uh, you know, legalistic idea. This is what makes me holy. And if I don't do this, I'm not holy. No, God is interested in application. If I read God's word I mean as a child I watched my father read God's word almost every single day But that same father I was scared out of my mind I walked eggshells in that home in fear of him So the reality is all of us kids were like if that's Christianity I don't know if I want to be a part of that That's my greatest fear is that I live my life in such a way that people see one aspect of me, but when I walk out of this room, do they see something else? Authenticity, to me, is so important. But I am also a sinner. And if you ever see me sin, please understand, that's not my heart. My desire is to do the right thing, but I will, I will, I will fail at times. And by the way, so will you. And I'll give you grace, and you give me grace, and we just, we're here. The reason why we're here, Is to build each other up in the faith. To encourage one another. To keep on keeping on. Not to put each other down and make us feel like we're the scum of the earth. You know, lower than a snake's belly and all those kinds of things, you know. We're here to encourage one another. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can live in the mountaintop experience. You can live in the valley experience. You can have lots to eat or you can be destitute. You can do it all through Christ who strengthens you. That's what it teaches us. We can do that. But we can't do it by just listening to the word and deceiving ourselves. We have to do what it says. When we know it and apply God's word, we won't be ashamed of our choices and God will be pleased. Do your best, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So we take the Bible and handle it correctly. And if you, you, know, if you don't understand it, you'll like, think, hey, I get a commentary. And if you want a simple commentary that you can go through, I recommend the, the Moody Bible Commentary. You can buy it, it's a one volume set. It's not exhaustive, like, you know, John MacArthur has a series of, of commentaries. Sometimes for the book of Matthew, I think there's three books just for the book of Matthew. You may go, whoa, that's too overwhelming. Buy Moody Bible Commentary. It's very inexpensive, it's around 25 bucks or so, it goes through the entire Bible. I've done it before. I'm planning on doing it again this next year. You know, I, I read through it. it, it, it has, I Remember how long it takes me. We know and apply God's word so that we will not sin. Someone read for me Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So why do we know God's word? Because if our heart's in the right place, see, that's what, what, what the Christian life is all about is faith, repentance, that I, I, I said, you know, I no longer want to live my life the way I, I want to live it. I want to live for you. And I take God's word and I hide in my heart because the passion of my heart is not to sin against God. When Bill Rice and I meet as accountability brothers, and we talk through this, one of the things we pray often in our times of prayer together is, you know, Lord, we want to be holy. We want to be men of God committed to you. And if you're not in an accountability relationship with someone, I encourage you to find someone. Find someone that you are comfortable with, that you can be honest with, open with, share your struggles with, and, uh, and encourage each other through your word. We, when we know God's word, we can be men and women of faith. Romans 10, 17. Someone read that for me. Consequently, faith comes with hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. When we know God's word, we can be men and women of faith. In other words, what does faith mean? How do you define the word faith? Anybody, real quick. Trusting God. To what? Trusting God. Yes. Faith means to trust or believe. You're trusting in God. So faith, trusting in God, comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ, not Christ. So in other words, we're hearing God's word, we are applying it to our lives, and we gain faith. Faith that we so need. Faith that we need to live our daily lives. Faith to trust it for every life's circumstances. And when we know and apply God's word, we can produce spiritual fruits that will impact others. Someone read Psalm 1 and 2 and 3 for me. In the law of the Lord. So, Psalm 1, this truth about the Word of God, and let me just say this again as a reminder. Do you delight in the Word of God? God's Word is not to be as a burden, as a, as a bully club over you. In other words, God's Word is not intended to beat you up. It's intended to encourage you. So, like Donna said, if it's a verse that you meditate on. And again, the difference between Eastern meditation, yoga meditation, that type of, that meditation, they designed it to empty your mind, to clear your mind, which I think can lead to demonic influence. I believe that. But Christian meditation is the opposite. It fills the mind. I'm not opposed to all yoga, by the way. I'm not talking about exercise, those kinds of things. Exercise is great. But when you then take it the next step and apply it to meditation, which ultimately leads to possibly other types of meditation, transcendental meditation, out-of-body experiences, that's when it can get very demonic. But when you meditate, you're filling your mind whether it's a word, a thought from God's word, I meditate on his law day and night. Well, just recently in place that word own. Instead of meditate, I, I think it's like a cooking term. I'm not a great cook, but I like to marinate. So if I think about a steak and I put it in some seasoning and some oil, it's going to take on that flavor. So I replaced in my own situation the word meditate with the word marinate. I did that with London broil this week. Yum! <laughs> <laughs> some balsamic and vinegar, the and <laughs> olive oil, and the <laughs> spices. And <clears throat> meditate. That person is like a tree planted by a stream of water. You ever see land and ground that's dry? But when you get into God's word, that's why Jesus said, I am the living water. Anyone who drinks of me will never thirst again. And her response was, Man, I don't like some of that water because I'm just tired of coming up here to get water every day. Missed the point, right? That's not the point we're talking about. When you are near God's word and you're in God's word and you're applying God's word, it will well up life in you. Life, not death. Take God's word. He's provided it for us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105. Let's pray. Father, teach us through your Holy Spirit this week how to apply this lesson to our life. That when we read your word, it's not out of ritual or or something that is detrimental to us, but you designed it to be a benefit. And that when we internalize it, understand it, and apply it, it's living within us. And it goes right to the very core of who we are and transforms us to be more like Jesus. Thank you for that. Bless these families. Bless these individuals. Meet their needs this week, Lord. Put a shield of protection around those that need us, just a protection from you, like Cheryl she prepares to go in this week, keep her safe, and then in the following week on Monday when she goes in for a surgery, we pray your blessing. But God, our hearts are burdened for the Haydens. And for so many, the Bluefields uh, uh, father, or for those who are hurting right now because of COVID, so many that are going through difficult times, we put our faith and trust in you and ask that you'll be with us. You are. But Lord, we want to know that. And we have faith to trust you with that. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all. Have a great week.